What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. I wasn't even going to do an intro here, as we have a pretty fun show, at least I think it's fun, with uh, it being WrestleMania week, soon to become WrestleMania weekend, recorded a uh, roundtable, which we are also going to post on YouTube, sort of like a... The idea is kind of like an ESPN studio show where you get some pretty smart people to, to, to hit on certain topics and dig a little deep on those topics. And so uh, myself, Paul Fontaine, Andy Marshall, Jeremy Feinstone, all contributors to uh, FightGameMedia.com and the Fight Game Media Network, uh, we all got on and we talked WrestleMania. I moderated and we kind of just threw topics out and went from person to person. So that's what's coming up here. But the reason why I want to do the intro is because uh, we have a couple other shows that I want people to be aware of. John and I, who would normally be in this spot, but because of two nights of TakeOver, we are postponing our normal show to tomorrow. So this time tomorrow, you should be able to hear us. Um, Thankfully, there's not two nights of takeover for every takeover. But uh, normally, you know, we'll be in our normal slot. Um, And then the other thing is, uh, we're going to do one last locker room show for the Fight Game podcast. Uh, We're going to do that Saturday night. So after night one of WrestleMania, we're going to go on locker room and we're just going to talk about night one of WrestleMania. So 10 p.m. Pacific for you East Coasters. I know it'd be a little rough, but uh, if you you know if you're up and you're amped up and just kind of fired up because you just watch wrestling, come hang out with us. Uh, it is iPhone only, so you just find the locker room app on your uh, on your uh, iPhone. Um, gosh, what do you call it? The uh, the App Store, your iPhone App Store. And so, uh, yeah, join us. We'll we'll be talking WrestleMania. So <clears throat> we're gonna I'm gonna send it to the show that it did. Uh, earlier that's also on youtube if you want to go to youtube.com front slash fight game media you could actually see the visuals of this podcast that you are about to listen to all right let's take it there now all right welcome to the wrestlemania 37 roundtable on both the fight game podcast and the fight game media youtube channel i'm double g host of the fight game podcast and i wanted to introduce you to the rest of the folks here on the roundtable in our bottom left, we have Paul Fontaine. He is the co-host of two podcasts on the Fight Game Media Network, The Dynamite Show, our weekly AEW Dynamite recap show, and In the Clinch, our MMA show. He also writes for the Wrestling Observer and Fight Game Media. On the bottom right is Andy Marshall. He's the co-host of Break It Down, our WWE Big Show recap podcast, and writes for Fight Game Media about WWE. And lastly, your upper left, Jeremy Finestone. He helps with content and engagement with both the Fight Game Media Network as well as our social media outlets. Fellas, thank you all for joining. And before we get started here, I wanted everyone to share their shirt that they are wearing. (laughs) Most of us are wearing some pro wrestling inspired attire. So Jeremy, kick it off. Who, who what shirt are you wearing and I, I I guess this is your spirit animal for the evening. I mean, we're going with layers up in Northern California. So I'm starting with a retro Shawn Michaels vintage t-shirt. 
followed by the Ocho clearance back in 2020, Daniel Bryan $12 hoodie that somehow became relevant all over again. Amazing (laughs) time. (laughs) And Andy, I see you are wearing something fairly similar. Yeah, it's a beautiful day here in upstate New York. So I just went with just a t-shirt, but I have my uh, Daniel Bryan original Yes Movement t-shirt that uh, I proudly wear. And uh, I really wanted to wear something for someone competing tonight. I do have a Cesaro shirt, but I ultimately, you know, this is the main event, probably what I'm most excited for. So I went with d All right. And Paul, it doesn't look like you're wearing a wrestling <laughs> shirt. That's not entirely true. So uh, it's a Winnipeg Jets jersey, but underneath... I don't want to strip for you guys, but I am wearing, uh, you might even see the logo here. I got a diesel, uh, shirt on circa 1994 Wow! and it's the original. It's not a retro. It's the original. That's so cool. he went into the hall of fame as part of the NWO this week. So yeah, that's, it's my go-to uh, lounge around all day, which is basically every day of this pandemic for the last 13 months. All right. My shirt is a stone cold Steve Austin pro wrestling t-shirt. So not a WWE Classic. Uh, shirt, but pro wrestling tees. I, I just liked that design for Stone Cold Steve Austin. Okay, so what we're going to do here is we are going to go deep on four main topics having to do with this year's WrestleMania and WWE in general as the big show comes to us on two nights, Saturday and Sunday, on the Peacock Streaming Network. Okay, so first question to you guys, and, and I'll, we'll actually start with Jeremy. Um after a full year away from fans, fans are back. WrestleMania 37, 25,000 or so fans. What is your expectation for this show? I think what I think I have expectations for actually a pretty good show. Um, one of the things that we as fans tend to forget is that when WWE is forced to put on a good show, they do put on a really good show. And this WrestleMania, when I was looking over the two cards today, they have uh, at least one really good card and another card that is pretty good, but you put it all together and it does feel like WrestleMania, even though the idea of what WrestleMania is, is something that we're going to be talking about here, what it has been, what it will be, what it is now. But for expectations of WrestleMania this year, I think it's going to meet my expectation. So, Paul, you are somebody who has traveled before to the big event. Uh, We hung out in Dallas for 32. Without the traveling fan base, at least for the most part, and with the smaller crowds on both nights, do you think it will feel like WrestleMania as you're sitting watching on your couch? Okay, I'm glad you phrased that that way. Um, no, <laughs> I, I I think it's not. It's going to feel more like it did last year, um, you know. But it, I guess yeah. I guess I don't think it will. I hope it will. Um, I'm curious is if they're going to do anything differently. Um, but I I'm I guess like you had put out in one of our conversations. I'm setting my expectations low this week and hoping that it's uh, that it will exceed my expectations. And Andy, I want to follow up a little bit on what Paul was referencing, which was last year we had a WrestleMania that entirely did not feel like WrestleMania to no fault 
of their own. They were thrown with the pandemic. Everybody was was kind of, you know, thrown a curveball there. But WWE put on a show in front of zero fans. This year, there will be fans. Do you think it will feel closer to like a real WrestleMania or do will it feel closer to last year's WrestleMania? Oh, it feels a lot more like a real WrestleMania to me. Last year, I think the big question and the thing I was concerned with was, was they should, should they even have this WrestleMania at all? Is this just not the time? Should they just pull the plug and say, Hey, you know, um, kind of the state of everything right now, we should probably not put this show on. And, and, uh, wrestling was there for people last year. Uh, and I think people are going to be really excited to, to get out and do stuff and, and have something. So I, I kind of see it as kind of a, I don't know, a, a return. Absolutely. And it, it feels like WrestleMania to me. By the way, for people listening on the podcast, they don't see my Zoa energy drink. Zoa, <laughs> the new the new brand from The Rock. But for the podcast, hey, you know, we'll we'll, we'll advertise Zoa. What are you drinking, Andy? I got some Polar Seltzer over here. If we can get a Polar sponsorship, uh... Paul, you got some coffee? Know. What's going on over there? No, it's 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 that ain't water, except <laughs> it is water, and in the uh, world's best mom cup. There you go. Because <laughs> okay, my so wife is. Zero for the caffeine. Oh, there we go. <laughs> exactly. All right. So uh, I'll throw this one back to Jeremy. Do you feel like WWE is kind of just getting through this year, this year's WrestleMania, to set up next year's WrestleMania in Dallas to where they could actually attract you know, maybe another 100,000 fans. Or do you think WWE really sees this? Like, is Vince McMahon thinking like, you know what? This is WrestleMania. We're putting out the best show humanly possible. We're not even thinking about next year until next year. I think it's, uh, I think it's both. I think they've already, they're already in the rearview mirror when it comes to this year and all the stories and the runs that they have. But they do feel some sense of obligation to finish up what they have going on here. Um, I want, I want the matches and I want the WrestleMania to be better than the boneyard match mm -hmm. uh, platitudes and compliments that we gave it last year. And we also, we need to think about what was the last real WrestleMania like that we had fans. We're talking about Seth and Brock opening the show. We're talking about Becky and Ronda Rousey and Charlotte at the end of the show. Is that the WrestleMania that we want to feel it to feel like, or do we just want it to feel better than last year? Is what what is acceptable to all of us in terms of what what is the clearing hurdle for for everybody? Andy, you wanted to jump in about something related to thirty five. Yeah, so 35, uh, I think one of the reasons I'm excited this year is that there's kind of a clear pirate theme. I, and I know that was supposed to be last year's and it's kind of a, re a rehash just because it's in Raymond James. But think back to 35, it it was just, it was like a WrestleMania themed WrestleMania. There was just a big screen. They didn't even really acknowledge that they were in New York other than the kind of the media blitz. So yeah, the, I was kind of thinking on the same lines as Jeremy that, I'm comparing it to the last real WrestleMania, which was that one. And even though that was really in my own backyard down in New Jersey, I, I wasn't like compelled to see it. I, I regret not going to 29, but um, I, it, that one just didn't really do it for me. So this one, I, I think I'm almost more excited for this one. So uh, Paul, just to kind of, uh, I'll get your thoughts and then I'll wrap this up. At the end of the day, when we shut our TVs off, 
on Sunday, do you feel like you will have watched something worthy? Uh, you mean like after I watched the Chris Jericho interview? Uh, <laughs> um, spit out my Zola. <laughs> um, sorry. Uh, I, I do. I, I mean, again, uh, expectations low. Um, I think, uh, I think it was Jeremy mentioned like on paper, these are, I assume you're talking about the second night as being the really mm-hmm. solid card. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, if they build properly, um, I think that, yeah, it could be, it could be special. And the fans, like, especially if they have, like, if they, if it's not too long, like if it's no, if they keep it to three hours or maybe just a little bit more than three hours for the main card, I think that the fans will, will go home happy. Um, I don't, nobody ever wants a repeat of that Dallas show again, where, you know, it was like what, seven and a half, eight hours between the first pre-show match and the main event. Like, um, you know, and, and some of these recent shows have been like two and a half hours and it's been great. Like by the end of the show, like the main event, it's like the main events here already. Like I, you almost wanted more. And I think it's good that if they leave you with wanting more and then you're be more excited for raw the next night and, what does and that going tell forward you about the current product though, if what they want is to have a long show and when they can't give you a long show because of the time <laughs> and then they give you a shorter show, you as the fan are actually more excited. Yeah. Well it's, but yeah, I mean, I think they're two masters, right? You want to put on a good show, but you also have a content provider to please. And if your show is longer, then there's more eyeballs for more hours on the show. So I think it's finding that mix of if people are not watching the show at all, because they think it's going to be too long, then, you know, you definitely don't want that. But if they watch the whole show and it's only two and a half hours long and then maybe like they were so excited, they even go back and watch something else. Then you've got more hours. And plus, now you're going to have people sticking around for that interview I mentioned. So they will get those eyeballs sticking around. But if they go till midnight, maybe they won't. It'll be like, okay, I'm going to shut my TV off. I do want to see this Jericho interview, but um, I've already been sitting in front of my TV for six hours. I'm I'm done. So I'll I'll put a capper on this one for me. So I think I think how many of us will feel is that we will feel very happy with the shows because of the fact that there are there's a crowd again right i think that's a big thing with wrestling fans they wrestling fans i think want to give these companies the benefit of the doubt for having to do these shows without having a live crowd and that's that's a big part of the wrestling experience so on for that i do think wrestling fans will give wwe the benefit of the doubt for this show secondly and i think jeremy has mentioned this i do think there's going to be uh some inspiration uh from vince mcmahon to put smiles on faces they like they say they like to do that and yet you know it's all about the heels but I do think that there's going to be some favorable outcomes for baby faces because you don't want this to be a very heat heavy show because we're all sort of reminded while watching that we are still in a pandemic because this football stadium is, uh, you know, a, a third of the way full. So I think the show will be good. I think we will feel good watching it, but I do think there's going to be some, okay, you know, once this is over, WWE will probably say, okay, now the road to the real WrestleMania is beginning. 
Okay, second topic here. There was word, and I think this came actually from a Sasha Banks interview. She said that she and Bianca were going to close uh, night one. Uh, on Raw, they sure as heck made it seem that Drew and uh, Bobby Lashley were going to close night one. So I'll start with Andy, our uh, our Break It Down co-host here. What do you think should be the main event of night one? I think it should absolutely be Sasha and Bianca, just because, especially if the direction they're going is with Bianca Belair, I think they have a real great opportunity right now. And, you know, she could step up and win. And that would really, you know, make her in the moment. And Sasha Banks, I don't think really has to worry about that. I mean, they could just come back and do this next year and do the reverse if they really needed to. But I think she's already maybe their biggest star and um, at least from the women's division for sure. And if uh, they could have the opportunity to bring Bianca up to that level this soon, I say, just, just do it. Jeremy, do you agree or disagree with Andy? I think I agree. I've, I've been trying to wrap my head around why Drew and Bobby should be main eventing and none of the arguments seem to have the weight and magnitude as to the reasons why Sasha and Bianca should. But at the same time, Bobby and Drew really does feel like the hotter program right now. I'm not entirely sure if that wasn't the intention of the company to make it feel that way. Um, my personal preference, my heart says Sasha and Bianca. My head says Drew and Bobby. Paul, thoughts on both of those statements? Okay, so uh, it's it's going to sound funny because I agree with both of them. Um, so I, I want to present a scenario here. So the day after the Royal Rumble, let's say that it's decided that, um, or w- the day after Bobby Lashley wins the world title, we'll say, it's decided that Drew and Bobby are going to fight for the uh, title at WrestleMania. So right away, uh, Bobby introduces a masseuse as as his uh, side piece or whatever, and the masseuse is uh, flirting with him, and he's not interested. And MVB kicks her to the curb, and then the masseuse starts hitting on Drew, and then the masseuse starts accompanying Drew to ringside, and then then he's not interested in her, and then all of a sudden the masseuse is cozying up with the New Day, and then this all leads to a tag team match at Fastlane between <laughs> the New Day and Bobby and Drew, and uh, Bo- Drew ends up getting pinned by uh kofi kingston and then that's going to lead to the main event of wrestlemania well if you presented that scenario to me i'd say absolutely not it should be the other way so i want to go back to the day after the royal rumble when this program was at its hottest and wwe deciding this is going to main event one of the nights of wrestlemania and we're going to treat this seriously bianca is going to keep winning matches sasha is going to keep winning matches they're going to cut promos on each other and they are not going to touch and or they may touch, but they're not going to neither of them is getting pinned by anybody leading into WrestleMania. We've seen Bianca be pinned a bunch of times. We've seen Sasha lose a couple of times. I'm not sure if she's been pinned, but I know she's lost. And so based on the way that they've booked, Bobby and Drew definitely should be the main event. But Sasha and Bianca absolutely should have been the main event and they should have booked accordingly. Jeremy, counterpoint. Fundamental issue that I have with that is that the build started the day after Royal Rumble for Sasha and Bianca, but the build basically started after the Elimination Chamber, and not even that 
for Bobby and Drew. Like you knew that was the direction, but it wasn't locked in until five days before Fastlane in the middle of March. I, I fundamentally have a problem with giving the platitudes of the main event and closing down a show for a match that's been advertised for two weeks. What Paul said is very interesting, but I thought something that is also interesting is the women's matches, both of the title matches, they both put them in tag teams on the same team. And it's almost like a frenemies kind of thing. And it's it's like, you know, oh, you know, the, the women, they're friendly or they they don't trust each other and then they're going to backstab each other. <laughs> and, and that's kind of been the story. And I think that's a really tired trope. WWE... Um, for for as much good as they've done uh, recently with the women's division, they still have really catty and tired tropes when it comes to their storytelling. So to Paul's point, Drew and Bobby, this is really the clash of the titans, right? Two strongly booked guys who are just finally this is the you know this is the irresistible force meaning the immovable object to quote Gorilla Monsoon from thirty five years ago. But I wish. They could have done something similar with the women when, you know, it's kind of a very similar story told for both women's title matches. So um, agree with both of you. Um, uh, Personally, for me, I think what is interesting, and maybe if you guys want want to get thoughts in on this, is would if one of a main main events, would you put the other one on first to kick the show off and also which position do you want to be in? Do you want to be the first match back with the live crowd? Possibly, but there is still this thing with the main event and being the chosen main event, even if your your match doesn't really have to do much with uh, you know, the buy rate or the gate or the peacock subscribers. There is still something to that where you know people really do strive for that. Um, does anybody have any thoughts on that? And you know, we can we can go to whoever. Yeah, I do actually. If uh, to think about the the idea of going on last versus first, you know, first of all, good enough for Brock Lesnar, good enough for me. I know that it probably wouldn't have been. Maybe if he wasn't losing the match, which he ultimately did, he would have felt differently. But um, I think it's so hard to get on a WrestleMania card these days as it is, and especially to be booked in a world title feud. So it, it doesn't mean the same thing as it did at a house show or even at WrestleMania's one through you know fifteen. It's it's a different. Uh, different time. So, um, going on first, uh, kicking the show off, I think just as an honor, uh, it's a world title match at WrestleMania, you know, Jeremy thoughts. No, think about this. You have, if the first major pay-per-view for Peacock, you're advertising this left or right. The first thing you hear is those chimes for Drew McIntyre. And you see this big old hoss of a dude come out with this sword and drop it down. And they tell you this guy is the greatest thing in the world. You have that to start the show. Match goes whatever it is. Now, think about Dallas. Think about Sasha Banks. Think about that entrance that she had and what an absolute star that she was coming out and everybody felt it. Everybody saw it. Everybody believed it. That's the kind of thing, if you're able to do those kind of entrances for the women at the end of the show, it's going to mean a heck of a lot more for them coming out with these superstar entrances than if they're coming out in the daylight and the first thing 
and they're opening the show. They will, they'll, they'll feel like the opening band and not the big star. Drew McIntyre can come out and carry it in the beginning. I'm not necessarily sure that presence will carry for the women. So there's something interesting about this, which is, and it's kind of what Paul has said already, this isn't going to be poor Ronda, poor Becky, and poor Charlotte having to be the last match of like a seven-hour card when people are so worried about getting home because of public transportation and then it starts raining. Like, that like the, the un, that was like the worst of all circumstances for those three women to, to get into that match. And I do think that it affected them as well. This show, if they do keep it tight, if it if we've only been sitting there for two hours and 25 minutes by the time we get to the main event, then I think it could be a benefit to either the men or the women, no matter who who main events. But if we had the same old seven hour card that we had back uh, two years ago, then I would rather go first, preferably like if I was if I was wrestling. Anyways, let, let's move on. Uh, I want to go over the card. We'll read off all the matches. At least this is this is what we have before. Uh, there's no SmackDown yet, so may, they could change things up. But night one, we have Sasha and Bianca, which we've been talking about. We have Bobby and Drew, which we've been talking about. We have Bad Bunny and Damian Priest against The Miz and John Morrison. We have The New Day, Kofi and Woods versus AJ Styles and Omos. We have Braun Strowman against Shane in a steel cage match. We have Cesaro versus Seth Rollins, which I think could be the uh, sort of the underrated match of the whole weekend. Uh, and then we have a tag team turmoil match. Lana, Naomi, Dana Brooke. Uh, Lana and Naomi versus Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose versus the Riot Squad versus Natalia and Tamina. Uh, winners receive a tag team title match on night two. There's speculation that the Bellas could actually be put in that match. There's speculation that Charlotte and Bailey could be put in that match for a surprise. As it is, that match looks terrible on paper because I saw that segment on SmackDown and it was really, really bad. So I'm, I hope that they have an idea to kind of spruce it up a little bit. So that's night one. Here's night two. Roman against Edge against Daniel Bryan. Triple threat match for the Universal title. Asuka and Rhea Ripley for the Raw Women's title. The Fiend with Alexa Bliss versus Randy Orton. Big E versus Apollo Crews in a Nigerian drum fight for the Intercontinental Championship. Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn with Logan Paul in Sami Zayn's corner. Uh, Riddle against Sheamus. How, how, how come he's not Matt Riddle anymore? That that bothers me. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Nia Jax and Shayna will face the winner of the tag team turmoil match. So I'm going to go to Paul first. Which night do you like better and why? Um, I, I guess I'd have to go with night two. Uh, and just seems on paper like a better, uh, like better matches. Um, and I'm probably a little more into the fiend Alexa bliss stuff than most of the people here and most of the people in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and that's not to say I like it a lot. I just probably like it a little bit more than most people do. Andy, what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, night two, just uh, as far as people I want to see perform, you know, uh, uh, riddle don't call him Matt. Um, I'm, you know, I'm obviously Dan O'Brien fan. I think that that is the true main event and it has been built up like a true main event and we can talk about night one, night two, but that's the match I think most people want to see. And then, um, you know, Oscar and Rhea Ripley 
take my money. I want to see that very badly. So night two, and, and I haven't even mentioned uh, Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn, which is a feud as old as time. So night two, it, it, almost in a walk. Jeremy? If night two, if not close, it would be a perfect WrestleMania card if The Fiend and Randy Orton was not on there, if Cesaro <laughs> and, and uh, Seth hey. Rollins was in there in its place. <laughs> if they had that card <clears throat> instead of The Fiend and Randy Orton, I, w- I would watch night one clinically, and I would watch night two with like at the end of at the edge of my seat. Uh, I think there are about 10 cards, 10 matches out of the 14 that I'm actually really excited for. And uh, I'm not, I'm not feeling some sense of dread or frustration or general malaise. And for a WrestleMania, 10 out of 14, that's actually pretty good. Andy, I saw a face that you made with the mention of the fiend. Uh, so I, I'm not super down on it. This is a feud that, is supposed to culminate at WrestleMania. This has carried television for months. Um, it's provided a lot of memeable and internet worthy moments throughout, um, including the fiend getting burnt to a crisp very famously. So this is, this is when you have an idea for WrestleMania and you kind of work backwards to me, um, is what they've done. And this is, this is just the logical endpoint. This was always designed to have a huge blow off match at mania. So it should be on. That's another reason why it feels like it's night two, just because this is this is a, the end of a story. I'm going to disagree with all three of you, actually. <laughs> I actually like night one best, but they're they're close. I mean, they they I think they've evened it out pretty well. Um, I want to see Sasha and Bianca a lot, uh, even, you know, maybe, maybe the build hasn't been the best. And I again, I said, you know, Cesaro and Seth Rollins might be like the underdog uh best match of the weekend bobby and drew has is just the clash of the titans now there are possibly really bad things on on night one that could discourage you know (laughs) someone from picking but on night two you do have randy orton and the fiend which is not something i really care about so i think they're pretty even i'm i'm guessing everybody uh really wants to see roman and edge and daniel bryan and we'll get to that in a second i think that's probably the match i want to see the most but i also feel that uh you know just based on who wins that match uh it will be i think it's going to be weird no matter what happens in the booking of that match so actually let's move to that what is the outcome jeremy of bryan reigns and edge daniel bryan's winning and uh, I've thought about this because I felt like you were going to ask me this question. And from the get-go, I, I've argued you don't put a big face like Daniel Bryan into a WrestleMania match and have him lose. It is madness. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized Daniel Bryan is a bigger mainstream star than Edge. Uh when Edge came back, he didn't get all the headlines and the news reports and all the coverage saying Daniel Bryan is coming back. He didn't even get as much press when he retired. It was it was an entire show for Daniel Bryan and a segment for Edge. Yes, it was eight or nine years later. It was a whole different time frame. But I just the whole idea that Daniel Bryan is brought into this match, a major star through Bellas and WWE and everything else, and set him up to lose this match is just madness to me. I'm sure there's going to be 
uh, counterpoints here, and I'm ready to hear them because I, I need to be convinced otherwise, because if I see it and Edge or Roman Reigns wins, I'm not going to have a problem, but I feel like I'm not going to be able to see it coming. So I think the counterpoint to Jeremy, what Jeremy says is that Daniel Bryan is actually there to eat the pin so that Roman Reigns doesn't take the loss. Uh, Paul, what are your thoughts on what happens in this match? Well, I guess my my first thought is that I don't really have a strong feeling anyway. Like, I could see any one of these three guys winning. Neither do the by the way. Yeah, that's what I was going to say that. And I do, and I like that. I like the fact that I can logically see any of these guys winning and where it would go if they did. So because of that, I find this match really compelling because I'll be way more invested in it knowing that any guy could win and anybody could be pinned. Although I I guess I would think that it's unlikely that Roman Reigns is going to eat a pin um, regardless of what happens. So it's either going to be, you know, Roman pinning edge or Brian or edge pinning Brian or Brian pinning edge. I just, I feel like, and eventually no matter who wins, like if edge or Daniel Bryan win, it's going to be a short term reign to get back to Roman. So in that sense, I think I would rather just have Roman retain and um, and that way he's kept strong because I think that the money match is next year in Dallas. And it's it's almost unfathomable to think that they could keep the title on Roman that long. But that said, I mean, they've they've got some long term champions in WWE right now. Um, In some cases, it's circumstances that have done it. But if anybody is going to keep the title for a long time and still be on TV and still be wrestling, you know, once a month on pay-per-view it's Roman Reigns. I can't see them doing it with Lashley. I can't see them doing it with Drew. Um, so, and, and then if it's a big match next year, whether it's, you know, um, you know, Brock Lesnar or, you know, somebody else, some other rabbit out of the hat um, or some other star that they build up, Karen Cross or, uh, you know, Keith Lee or whatever they're going to do. Um, then, you know, Big E, I, I, I'd like to see Roman Reigns kept strong until next year. All right. Andy, after you, you've heard two sort of dissenting uh, arguments. Where do you sit with this? <clears throat> Roman Reigns is winning the match. Um, I think that... <laughs> <laughs> I think that first of all, you know, they're, they're worried about him getting cheered. Well, I don't really think he ever deserved to get booed all those times, specifically WrestleMania 32. So if they cheer the man, great, good for him. But I think um, he's going to win. I think that Dan and Brian is there to lose because I think with the edge heel turn, they have other plans for him and it's maybe not the world title scene, but if they keep him hot as a heel, um, they can move him down the line to something else. You know, I know he's wanted to work with AJ Styles. That would be pretty cool. AJ's kind of teetering on the brink of a face turn anyways. So um, I think there's just other plans now for Edge. So I th- I see Roman Reigns retaining. When I first saw Daniel Bryan get added to this match, my initial thought was he's eating the pin so that Edge can win the title without having to beat Roman Reigns because they don't have long-term plans for Edge, but they wanted that really great comeback story. Now, the thing that changed is that Edge became a heel. So I don't know if that long-term storyline actually works anymore. From Jeremy's point of view, Daniel Bryan winning would be so fun, right? Daniel Bryan pinning Edge or getting him to tap out would be so fun because 
the crowd goes home happy. This is a very popular guy. Personally, I would feel super manipulated because he is not in their long-term plans. Now, maybe he wins the match. All of a sudden, there's a increase on Raw, and Vince goes, huh, maybe we stretch this out a little bit. But otherwise, I would feel that the only reason Daniel Bryan won the match is because they wanted fans to go home happy, but they have no thoughts of making him the guy. So thus, I don't really want to see it, even though that would be the thing that would make me the happiest as a fan. Um, let's let's move on to... If, if, if this is the match that you're most looking forward to, what is the second? And if it isn't, then what is your first match that you're looking most forward to? Well, I'll ask Paul first. So you're talking for both nights? Yeah. Uh, so for me, the match I'm looking most forward to um, on out of all of them is Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre. I just, I feel like they have, I can't remember the last time that WWE has done a better job of keeping two guys as strong as they have with those two, especially Lashley. Um, and, and I just, I know they're going to have a physical match, which is a style I really like. And I honestly have no idea who's going to win. Like I, when they put the title on Lashley, I just assumed it was going to be for a month in order to get it back to Drew. And Lashley's been so good that I could see them going against that original decision. And I'd be totally fine with that, but I'd also be totally fine with Drew getting the win. And that's also why, you know, I, I'm kind of right now behind it, the main eventing that first night. Andy. Uh, night one, Lashley and Drew for a lot of the same reasons as Paul. But uh, for me, overall, it's Asuka and Rhea Ripley. You know, for all this talk about the build of the SmackDown women's match, we had Asuka come out and say no one is ready for Asuka. And then Rhea Ripley is like, oh, well, I think I am. And we have this match and I am very ready for it. Like, And that's all the build we need because that's, I mean, I, we know who Rhea Ripley is. We know what she's capable of. We know who Asuka is. Um, I, I just, I can't wait to watch it. It's going to be awesome. But you know why she was ready. According to her, she was just getting tired of sitting in catering. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy. All SmackDown, all the time. Night one, I got to say Cesaro, Seth Rollins is probably going to steal the show. And then night two, I, I can't see Sammy Owens, Sammy and Kevin Owens, my doppelganger, Kevin Owens, uh, <laughs> doing anything less than completely just trying to take all the wind out of everybody else's sails in those matches. Those two are built for nothing less. And this is their shot. They're doing it. They're jumping off that WrestleMania uh Ship and everything. There's a steel cage because Shane ain't doing it. Call Kevin and Sammy getting thrown off a ship. As long Logan as they, Paul's taking that bump. <laughs> as long as they don't <laughs> jump off the skull like EO and hit really hard from what it sounds oh. like at takeover. Whew. Um okay. What a spot. So last question, and we'll go around the room here. Now I'm asking you to look into the future post WrestleMania. Mm. What do you expect for WWE once fans are actually able to come back? Do we expect a hot period just because of that fact? And do we expect WWE to take advantage of this? Or is it going to be kind of what it's, you know, what it was before the pandemic, which was, you know, they're they're just sort of on a treadmill doing the thing that they do and that's just kind of what WWE is now. So uh, we'll, we'll go we'll go around the room. We'll start with Jeremy, then we'll go to Paul, then we'll go to Andy. 
I think WWE is going to struggle to fill those arenas when they get back. I think the product has been cold and one or two shows that are pretty hot is not going to change the general trend. I think the first couple of shows, maybe the first two SmackDowns, the first two Raws, the first two NXTs, they're going to they're gonna have a healthy turnout. People are going to get excited. The first show in, in markets... But it's going to start trailing off, and it's probably going to trail off quicker, and we're going to be talking about the fans not showing up, uh, and we're going to be discussing, is it uh, COVID fears? Is it the product being cold? And we're not going to know, but that's going to be the conversation, I think. Paul, agree or disagree? Um, I think I I mostly agree with what Jeremy was saying. Um, I feel like I think that there's going to be a, kind of a honeymoon period uh, when they first come back and it, I, how long that's going to last is going to depend on what they actually provide the fans. So if they give them something they want to see and they keep up, then they're going to be even more receptive. Uh, if not, they're going to be politely receptive at first and then probably turn on it pretty quick, I think. So if let's just say, for example, they come back, they're talking like quarter three. So if, you know, if they start touring in July and it gets to SummerSlam, like if the TV leading up to SummerSlam isn't good, um, you know, you could have a pretty negative crowd at, at SummerSlam in August. Andy. I was going to follow up to that. The build for SummerSlam starts next week. Like if I'm in WWE creative, that is, we need to make sure that that show is going to be almost as big as WrestleMania from a booking standpoint, because, you know, with vaccination rates, I mean, it, there's a possibility that it could be. And uh, that's a really great time. I think there's going to be, I think Paul made a great point there too. There is going to be a honeymoon period. People want to get out. If there's going to be shows, uh, people are, people want to go out. They want to chant. They want to just, I mean, be out of their houses, I think. So um, because wrestling has been there this entire time, I think they might've built up some goodwill. I think there might be some people that have checked out the product because of the pandemic. Um, so I, I do expect it initially, but it, I think the, the lull is always after SummerSlam and can you hold it through the next mania build? So that's when they always start to panic. Um, I would say just focus on SummerSlam and, and cross that bridge when you get there. Okay. Follow-up question for you, Andy. I, I'm assuming what you're saying is, is that we will be in a place where we will have fans at SummerSlam. I'm really hopeful. I'm really hopeful. And, you know, Vince McMahon is going to take that chance. I think, I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that if it's possible for him to promote, he's going to do whatever he is legally allowed to, and, and maybe illegal, illegally allowed to at some points, you know, as far as capacity, but, um, you know, they want to make sure that wrestling is there for their fans and that they have been here all along. So I think it's just a great way to capitalize. What do you think about, them actually running another stadium, outdoor stadium for SummerSlam. What is Vegas like in August? Like 110? So that's really not a good idea. But I'm thinking of somewhere where you could actually run an outdoor stadium. You know, you, maybe, maybe it's instead of 25, maybe it's 40 and it's not 60 or 70. So maybe you do still keep it a, l- a little bit smaller. But I would, uh, you know, if, if it is close by to me, uh, like if they, well, I don't know, maybe they run it at Levi's or something that that would actually in August, oh, it's going to be pretty hot too. But, you know, I, I, I could, I could see, uh, uh, and I'm talking football stadiums, right? I'm not talking, um, you know, small baseball parks. I'm talking big, giant football stadiums to where you could create 
the feeling that this is something that people are, are super interested in because I think part of what, what Paul and Jeremy were saying earlier is that is going to be a problem. Is is the fan base going to come back with open arms and in droves? But, you know, they ha- there has to be a reason, right? There ha- You have to have something, whether it's Brock Lesnar coming back, John Cena coming back for a show here and there. You have to bring something. You can't just expect to go, okay, we just got out of a pandemic, no draw, come back, right? There's got to be, they got, they have to utilize this opportunity to, uh, you know, to, to make something happen. So that is, that is my thing. And then I guess my last question to you guys, what do you sense could be something big that they could do to spice up the product through this year, this, this sort of uncertain year, because we do have to build something big for next year's WrestleMania. How do we get through this period? Is there a wrestler? Is there um, a certain act that is maybe not even on the roster today? What what, what do you do? You got you have uh, Vince McMahon's uh, ear. What do you do? Let's start with uh, Paul, and we'll end we'll end the show with this last question. Hmm. Um, I mean, the obvious answer is Brock, Ronda, or Becky or any and or all of them um, would be probably the, maybe the easiest thing to do. Um, You know, you just got to throw money at the, at it and, and they'll come back. I'm sure. They have a lot of it. Yeah, they do. Um, The other idea that I had uh, was, you know, a guy, you know, I mean, I've been a big proponent of carrying cross forever. I think he's exactly what they, what they are looking for. Um, the, The package with Scarlet is, is awesome. And, um, you know, he's, he's not as good in the ring as, as most people that they would put in that position, but I'm not sure how important that is. Um, if, if it's, if they're behind him, I think that's the more important thing. And if they, if they've got the workers in there that can carry him to good matches and carry in, carry on. Um, <laughs> so uh, like for me, like I would bring him in and have him be unbeaten, have him win the Royal rumble and have him challenging at, at mania next year. Um, as one of your world title matches. And then the other one would be either Brock Lesnar or maybe even John Cena, if you can get them for three or four months. You need a big, big deal. And and I would save The Rock for the following year at LA if, if they can somehow manage to do that and if he's willing to wrestle in you know two years. Um, I Dwayne, think Dwayne that... might be 50 by then though, right? Well, he will be. Well, isn't he over 50 now? I like no, he's, he's, I know he's pretty he, close think, to my age. I think age. he's only like three or four years older than me. So I think he was born in 71. So he might be, yeah, he'll be 50, 51. But I mean, you know, he's in good shape. And I mean, it's not like he has to have a five-star classic. <laughs> um, but, but I mean, I think that like rock and Roman is, is a money match in two years. If they can, if they can get there, if everything works out right. But for the coming year, yeah, I'd like to see one star that they have on the roster, and I use Karen Cross, but maybe there's somebody else. As as uh, you know, and I'm just talking men. I mean, for women, they have a lot of options for women, um, and and you know, we could talk for days about that. But and and I think that's important too. So and and you you have like try all of it, and and whatever's working, stick with it. And I think that's key, and that's I hope they learn. If something's working, don't fight it. Just go with it. Andy, you got Vince McMahon's ear. What do you want to see? 
Well, <clears throat> I think we have the potential for a WrestleMania 21 moment where um, they were the last two in the Women's Royal Rumble this year. Both of them are challenging for world titles. I think putting Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belover, Bel Air in their, those championship spots is an absolute must for this show. Um, and this, this even even extends down to NXT, where we've already seen Raquel Gonzalez win uh, last night at Stand and Deliver. Um, I think there's even someone else at NXT who's going to kind of be presented as the next guy going forward, which is Kyle O'Reilly. I think at least that has yet to happen tonight, but I think they're going to close the show with him tonight and he's going to be kind of be the new baby face, but, uh, to the main roster, Bianca and Rhea absolutely have to kind of take that ascension. Like Cena and Batista did the same year because they, they could be rivals for the next decade, you know, and that could be, uh, you know, uh, the start of something, uh, much further down the line. All right, Jeremy, you can you can. Uh, I'll wrap it up, but you get the last word in from uh, the roundtable. The if I had Vince McMahon's ear, I would talk him into using that tag team turmoil match. Get Charlotte and Bailey in there to beat Shayna, and then kick off a year long feud of the four horsewomen versus the four horsewomen <laughs> that culminates at Mania next year. And I start it there. I start it there. I start building through. Uh, SummerSlam where you do mixed matches, maybe Ronda faces off with somebody, you got Becky facing off with somebody that you just, you start creating these dynamics where you're, you're savoring for these four to fight these four at Mania. If you can build it for a year, they've been able to do other things when they set their mind out a year out. If they know what their end goal is, like Andy said, building from backwards. That that would, to me, be the money feud that they should focus on. All right. I think those are all really, really good ideas. Uh, my idea is for them to bring back the under... No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Boneyard match two. <laughs> it's against uh, Elmos. Yeah. Uh, oh. So, uh, you know, I, 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 I like the idea of, of Ronda coming back. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I would assume that she would mean really good for, for their ratings. Um, I, you know, Brock maybe less so because he's been sort of overexposed, but, uh, you know, I, I think anytime you have Brock, cause they will always book him strong. It's good for the product in, in general, as long as he's not killing people who they still want to, uh, to, to use. But, uh, you know, it, it's not a bad idea though. You know, as I was talking about this Daniel Bryan thing, it's not a bad idea if you do want that nice little win to send home fans home happy to have him run and see if you get some goodwill out of the fan base because uh you know he's he's one of the most liked characters in the company i personally i just don't think vince sees him as that guy and would couldn't wouldn't want you know he'd be waiting like desperately when can i finally beat this guy because that's what i want to do but um anyway so that is it. I really appreciate you guys coming on. Jeremy, Paul, Andy, this was a lot of fun. Hopefully people enjoyed this. Hope People listening on the podcast, hopefully you enjoyed it as well. And Fight Game uh, Media Patreon, if you go to patreon.com front slash Fight Game Media, all of these guys are involved in some way in our, uh, in our network. Uh, so for Jeremy, for Paul, for Andy, I'm Double G. We'll see you when we see you. Peace out.